0: Welcome back to From the Ground Up with Mark Weller. I'm Matt Rienzo, here with my friend and co-host, Mark Weller. What's up, Mark? How you doing? What's new?
1: Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Just rolling into Monday. You know
0: how it is. Yeah, I mean, we got the holidays coming up. Um, You know, it's starting to get colder outside, but we've got a lot of uh, great things to talk about today. Uh, Our last podcast, we had an incredible episode with Cal Ripken Jr. It was so fun and uh, a little bit surreal, wasn't it, Mark?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, to be able to talk to and and have a guest on and, and become friends with somebody who you watched as a, as a kid um, play under the biggest crowds and most exciting environment, uh, be here with us and share stories about it was amazing.
0: Yeah, and the best part of this show, from my perspective, is the amazing people we get to talk to. Having Cal on was awesome, and our next guest is uh, no exception either, uh, really a special guest, and uh, this is going to be the start of a series of episodes focused on Grand Bahama and the work we're doing there on the island. Really fun, exciting, and interesting. Um, Mark, what are your, before we get Rupert on, what are your just initial impressions of Grand Bahama? Pretty incredible, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, look, it's this very, very special place, not only in its, uh, in its beauty naturally, uh, but also the people. It's really incredible. As I've spent more and more time there, I've realized... Um, just how uh, how special it is, and how fortunate I am to have the opportunity to you know continue my uh, my life and my career, which all seems to flow together uh, down there and be part of it.
0: So to kick off the discussion on Grand Bahama today, we have uh, someone who knows Grand Bahama better than anybody uh, probably around at all. Um, he's a husband, he's a father, he's also an environmentalist, a businessman, an entrepreneur. And a true champion for Grand Bahama. Um, so let's uh, welcome onto the show, Rupert Hayward. Rupert.
2: Hey, hey, Matt, Mark. Good to hear your voices.
1: Yes, Rue. Uh, we call you Rue. Now, this is new for me. I think it's uh, I think it's an English thing. But uh, your 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 real name is Rupert, and we call you Rue, right? Are you?
2: That, that is that is
1: correct, yeah. I had to adjust it. that.
2: You're in the circle of trust when you can call me
1: Rue. Yes, and when I say that into Siri, it spells out R-O-U-X. <laughs> so uh, I always have to auto-correct it. But Rue, uh, it's been incredible uh, getting to know you and spending so much time with you over the last several years. We've become very close friends. We spend a lot of time together on and off the island, and uh, it's just been incredible uh, seeing what you're doing down there, what you, you and your family have been doing, and, and really what we're all looking forward to together. So it's really great to have you on the show thanks for being here
2: yeah likewise pleasure
1: so Rupert talk about Grand Bahama you know working with you you know speaking for firsthand experience uh it's really an incredible place and uh you know people listening you know stateside are more likely to have been to places like Atlantis or Nassau or Bahamar let's talk about Grand Bahama what it is what sets it apart and then tell us kind of about your love for for Grand Bahama and why you've raised your family there and why you love calling it home
2: yeah, well, I mean, you know, as you, as you, as you said, as some, you know, I, I speak with a British accent, but I'm, I'm, I'm a Bahamian, uh, born and raised actually in Nassau originally, but my family have been in Grand Bahama since uh, 1957, um, and and they came here uh, really when it was a, a sort of a, a barren pine island. There were a few fishing villages, and there was this amazing project um, being put together by an American entrepreneur uh called wallace groves to create uh a free trade zone um and a maritime hub here in grand bahama and and my great grandfather sir charles haywood was one of the original investors um in that company in that project and over the course of the last 70 years the the island has flourished to house the second city of the bahamas called freeport um, but on a personal level you know, I'm sitting here right now at home. Uh, I'm looking out at a at the sea, which is like flat, calm, it's like a mirror. And, uh, you know, it's 75 degrees. It's the 11th of December. Uh, you know, I was born and raised here, but I was sent to boarding school back in the UK. And I, I know what um, cold winters are like, as I'm sure you guys do. So I feel very privileged to be sitting here and looking at beautiful white sandy beaches and flat, calm seas, you know, I'm actually not wearing shorts, but I could be uh, Feet in the sand. Sort
0: of you're draft. just rubbing um, it in now. This around. is not fair.
2: <laughs> it's not fair. I right know. I'm sorry, guys. But,
0: uh, it's, it's cold kind of and gray mentality. here in Bethesda, Maryland, and uh, I'm sure back in London as well. And so you, you've definitely made the smart choice. There's no question. The, the natural beauty is something well, else, Rupert. I mean, you, you're, you're showing us uh, a vision of what, it, what it's like there, um, but... The, Completely flat seas at times and just crystal clear water. It's just the the picture of beauty.
2: Yeah, it's it's paradise. You know, I mean each each island in the Bahamas is different, and they all have their own unique characteristics. And you know Nassau is the is the sort of economic hub in many ways. It's got a denser population. It's where the government sits. Um, you know, but it's it's got. You know, higher crime, and it's congested, and traffic's a problem, and it's very expensive. So when you look at Grand Bahama as as, as an alternative, you know, where you've got you know clean streets and no, no crime. Really, it's 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 one of the safest places in the world. I leave my house open, and my car open, and my kids run around with uh, without us having to look over our shoulders the whole time. But you've also got a level of infrastructure here and amenities, which means you can live there. It's not like living in a tourism destination, although we are a tourism destination, but we're also a, a primary destination for business and, and, and primary residents.
1: Yeah, and Rube, that, one I thing I wanted to point out that uh, struck me when I started getting involved in the first time I visited you uh, was this is 58 miles off of West Palm Beach. It's literally that close. People go over for a day or two on their center console boats and things along those lines.
2: You know, you, it always makes me laugh when I when I get a commercial flight or a you know or a, a puddle hopper plane over from Fort Lauderdale or Miami. You literally, as you go up, you start coming back down again. It's so close, and the same goes for boating. You can be to the west, uh, the western tip of Grand Bahama from from West Palm Beach in, you know, uh, a couple of hours. I mean, it's it, depending on the size of your engine, you know, it, and you can be in the same in the central Grand Bahama, in the same time. It's, it's amazing how close we are. And in many ways, we're like the sort of 51st state of of the United States. Um, we, you know, and and actually, we felt that after the after Hurricane Dorian, you know, the Floridians and the East Coast of America, you know, we felt like that little brother. You know, we had so many uh, Americans coming here and helping in our, our need, and I think that's because many of many people grew up in their summers bringing their boats over to Grand Bahama and the Abacos and other parts of the Bahamas. And, you know, those memories that run deep.
0: Yeah. And Rupert, for those, uh, the listeners who don't fully understand the geography of it all, um, just Google it right now while they while you're listening and Grand Bahama and just take a look. It's the closest Island to to Miami, to Florida coast. And, you know, it's the, the northernmost generally um, and closest to the U.S. Um, and, and significantly larger than than Nassau and, and some of the other islands as well. So um, a bit of an education uh, needed for people stateside because like Mark said in the intro, you know, everybody's used to Nassau and Atlantis and Bahamar and those places. But, you know, uh, tourists uh, from the states, maybe not as familiar with Grand Bahama. So... You know, just tell us a little bit about, you know, we've talked a little bit about the beauty and and things of that sort, but tell us more about the island and and what has led it to, you know, it had a boom back in the 50s and 60s and then a a bit of a regression of sorts, and and now it's making a comeback. So tell us about that history a little bit.
2: Yeah, so, you know, there was a signing of an agreement in 1955 between the Bahamian government and a newly formed company called the Grand Bahama Port Authority. And and that newly formed private entity basically had uh, quasi-governmental powers devolved to it. So the port authority gives out all licensing, plan- planning, and permitting inside the 230 square mile free trade zone called the port area. And in that area, you have you know certain tax concessions, um, and and a lot of the municipal functions are devolved to to a private entity. And and obviously, private entities, you know. Supposedly and, and in practice, can streamline licensing. Um, they can they can uh, remove some of the complexities of dealing with government organisations. Um, and and obviously the tax benefits of operating in Grand Bahama mean you pay no duty on any import or export goods as long as they stay inside the port area and don't go to other areas of the Bahamas. So there's a real tax benefit of being here. Um, and if you hold a, a license with the port authority, as I said. You, you you don't pay any duty, so you learn the cost of construction here um, probably compared to the out islands by up to sort of 100 uh, percent, about 50 percent in some cases. You know, and that resulted that you know those those tax benefits and that free trade zone status resulted in in about 11 billion dollars in real terms in today's money being invested in the Grand Bahama over the last 70 years, which include 35 miles of bulkheaded canal systems an international airport, the deepest harbor south of Nova Scotia, one of the largest container ports in the Western Hemisphere, the largest dry dock by volume uh, for cruise uh, repairs. I think that was 2018 figures and and hotels and a population of 50,000 people. So, you know, a lot's been achieved. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're coming out of difficult times with pandemics and you know we got hit with some big hurricanes uh and and we also had you know the 2008 financial crisis was was a problem for us you know like many parts of the world um when you can buy real estate for 10 cents in the dollar they're probably not looking at Grand Bahama and that impacted us certainly after two storms right before the 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 2008 financial crisis when we really needed inflows of investment people were looking elsewhere but we're coming through that and there's You know, now billions of dollars of investment in new cruise ports and six-star hotels um, that are coming to Grand Bahama. And so 2023 looks really exciting, Um, I think, as does 2024 and 2025. So, you know, watch this space.
0: Yeah, so it's an interesting... um history and uh it's a bright future for sure and, and one of the things you mentioned i, I want to get mark's input on and thoughts you know mark you went down there first uh of our group to to tour around and, and to look and rupert talked about the port and the infrastructure and what struck you when you went down there uh for the first time and saw all the infrastructure and everything that was there
1: well i think there's a couple things the natural beauty flying in looked like anything else I had seen, you know, like anything else I'd seen in the best places, meaning it, look, it looked very similar to the Eleuthoros and other places, the, the blue, long, white beaches with beautiful uh, blue water coming in, it, just incredible. And so I started to figure out this place, even though it was 58 miles off West Palm, that didn't affect its natural beauty. And as I got on the island, I, and I, I landed at the airport, which had been somewhat um, somewhat decimated from the from the hurricane, now I plan to rebuild the entire airport with a state-of-the-art airport, but but I realized that there was a lot there, and this was a this was a significant island. It was the second largest population. I'd read that before coming uh, in the Bahamas, and um, and at one point it was just the crown jewel. And started looking around at the infrastructure. The roads uh, were unbelievably well taken care of. Uh, the um, uh, there was grocery stores. There was there was all kinds of things that you just I was not expecting to see tied to that level of natural beauty, with also that amount of opportunity of untouched. Uh, untouched beachfront and untouched land. So I immediately was interested and my curiosity was piqued. But then when I went on the boat, I went on a boat ride, which was amazing um, immediately. And we started to see the infrastructure that had been put in. And for all of the seawalls and canals and other interesting things that were put in, there was something more important. There was a lot of things below grade such as uh, water, sewer, fiber, things along those lines. And there was a lot of things in and installed that uh, can be expanded upon or just improved upon uh, very easily, very quickly to create a world-class development. Um, you know, and, and that's how I was thinking about it. I didn't know what we wanted to do there yet. I didn't know what it meant, but I just knew that there was opportunity. Uh, the other thing that caught me, what was amazing, Is I was up and down. We, we were on a small, smaller plane that day, but we were up and down in 25 minutes. So we were literally, we took off in West Palm, and we landed 25 minutes later on a propeller plane in Grand Bahamas. So that that was also a real eye-opener for me.
0: So you've got the you know, obviously the proximity to Florida and to the U.S. Uh, and then the ease of, of travel there uh, and then the infrastructure, that was all real eye-popping for you. And and we'll get into kind of what we're going to be doing there in a minute. But I wanted to ask a follow-up question to Rupert. Um, Rupert, you know, you, we talked about the Hawksbill Creek Agreement and then, you know, the the hurricanes and the financial crisis and, and the current day where we are now. But talk about, you know, what Grand Bahama was in the 50s and 60s, for people who have no idea. I mean, the Rat Pack used to go there, Frank Sinatra. Um, it was kind of the place to be back in the day. Um, talk about that and, and your interest in kind of bringing that back.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, look, you know, if you remember the, the macroeconomic situation in the 50s, you know, um, and into the 60s, Cuba was, was going communist and um, lots of the capital that had been invested there was looking for a new home. And Grand Bahama was called the Magic City, and it was this new master plan city coming out of the ground. I mean, my father will tell you when when he was here, he'd go away to school, he'd come back, and there were whole new areas of development roads and buildings and offices and commerce, and you know there were you know tens of thousands of people coming to live here, and they were they were coming here because of lifestyle and it was easy to get here it was wonderful lifestyle and i i experienced that every day you know i get up and i play tennis in the mornings and i'm lucky enough to get back in the summer months you know when it's still light i take my boat out and i go and do some spearfishing Get some hogfish and bring them back. And hey, Rue, hold brilliant. on,
1: hold on okay. one second, okay? Just for just for the, <laughs> yeah, for the for, for everybody listening here, this is really cool. The first time I went down there, you told me these stories when you came to visit us up in Baltimore and visit us in, in Maryland, and you told us these stories about spearfishing and and catch, getting your own lobsters and all this. And I challenged you to make sure there was a lobster dinner that you had caught yourself ready for us when we arrived the first night, uh, kind of as a joke. And you did in fact go spearfishing the two days before and accumulate enough lobsters to He's feed done. feed about six of us or seven of us at the table I mean you're not exaggerating or playing this up of of what the or lifestyle did he just he go went... down
0: to the local market and buy them? no and... <laughs> he didn't he, he
1: actually didn't and no, I knew I, that for a fact but I mean, I, yeah
2: I mean it, it, it it's you know I, I mean honestly when you have young young children like I do a five and a seven year old and you know you see them running around with with no coats on and and you know outside all day um in the sun getting vitamin d and not like, you know, have some their cousins or some nephews that live in the UK and they got cold the whole time this time of the year. That's sick 24-7. Everyone's tired. It's dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. And and I feel pretty blessed, I have to admit. Um, you know, it, it's not hard to make living here exceptional. You have to make that happen yourself. You're not going to have all of the amenities and necessarily that you have and all the entertainment that you have in larger cities. But if you if you like exercise, you like being outside, you like the water, you want small communities that really care about you, and that's one of the great things about living in Grand Bahama is that, you know, if someone gets sick, the next thing you know, there's a pie on your doorstep or there's a note saying kind of look after your children or whatever the case may be. It's a small community, but everyone really cares and looks out for each other, and you feel very much part of that community. I'm you know, when I was working in finance and living in London. I lived in an apartment building and I was, you know, my next door neighbors were literally the, the, the width of a wall away from me. Um, and I never knew who they were in Grand Bahama. People live a couple of miles away and they'll still check in on you. And, you know, you'll feel like you're part of that community. And, and I think, you know, that's probably one of the, the biggest selling points about being here is that people genuinely care yeah, and they care about the future. And, yes. and, and if you're a good, good citizen here, you've got friends for life.
1: Yeah, you know, and that's um, the, the natural beauty, as I spoke of earlier, is just unbelievable. And it's it's uh, it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. But but what struck me more is the more time I spent down there, people were just amazing that I've met on my trips. And uh, it's really my favorite thing about going down there now is, is I get to look at and, and, and the beauty and, and enjoy it and, and swim and fish and all that. But then the people now have made it even more incredible and made this whole journey of becoming part of the island. Incredible. So, you know, what is it about the spirit there? What is it about the people? I think you just went over some of it, but it's it's really fascinating.
2: Oh, I mean, Bahamians are just amazing. They have got the most incredible sense of humor. Um, you know, they're, they're they're humble and proud um, as they should as 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 we should be. I mean, I'm Bahamian. I, I they are um, they've been through a lot. You know, at times, and and we always seem to recover and everyone comes back stronger very passionate about our country and about um building a sustainable future for for everyone who lives here um and they they, they you know you're going to get a great hug you're always going to have a laugh you know and and i think those are you know the generosity hospitality as a sort of core tenants of the people of Grand Bahama and people of the bahamas um it's very difficult not not to fall in love with everyone
0: well, it's a good segue because we want to talk about how people can enjoy that hospitality and, you know, that that type of personality that the Grand Bahamian people have, and and by doing uh, the work that we're doing, we think we'll be able to expose more people to to that. And so, you know, we recently announced uh, Rupert, as you're well aware, um, that Six Senses is. is bringing a resort and residences to Grand Bahama. Really an exciting announcement uh, for us and and for Grand Bahama and for Six Senses. It's their first location in North America. Um, One of the most uh, renowned resort and hotel brands in the world. Uh, Recently ranked number one hotel brand in the world. Um, So obviously a a huge bit of news coming out of uh, Grand Bahama recently. Tell us about your reaction to that news, Rupert, and what that means for Grand Bahama and for the people.
2: I mean, it's. Uh, I think I was quoted in saying it's a sort of Phoenix from the ashes. I mean, it's it's a game changer to bring not just a great hotel brand, but the number one hotel brand in the world to Grand Bahama. And, you know, I mean, you, 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 we all know, what you, the three of us know what the site is like, these sort of two half-moon bays. Uh, with beautiful shallow water in front of it, with canals on the northern side of it. It's almost like a peninsula surrounded by water. And you've got turtles that come up into the bay. I mean, Matt, I think you were there when when Mark and I, when I first walked the site with Mark and with, with Jeff, uh, another, you know, who heads up development at, at Weller. And we were sitting there and this octopus just came in and, Ate a crab right in front. We had our, our our shoes off and we were walking in the shallow water. That was a business
1: octopus. meeting, Rue. Isn't that amazing? That was a business meeting. It was, to, it was a
2: hell of a business meeting. Yes, and yes. we, you know, the creative juices started going, and we were just throwing all these amazing ideas out. And you know, it's 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 not hard to get inspired yes. when you live here. Um, and that was sort of extraordinary. And and Mark was like, "Hey, does that happen all the time?" I was, oh, of course, you know, <laughs> every day. <laughs>
0: yes, every day. of course. <laughs> that's amazing. And we um, talked a lot about the character of the people. So Rupert, you know, uh, we're, this project will create jobs, but it will also, you know, attract, uh, grand Bahamians back to the island. Talk about the importance of that.
2: Yeah. So my, my big thing is, is the brain reversing the brain drain and, you know, lot, lots of very talented Bahamians once they, um, get their degrees, you know, whether it's at home or, or abroad, often have to stay abroad because the high-skilled jobs that they require aren't offered here in in the Bahamas. And so one of my sort of personal missions is to bring, you know, as many diverse economies and companies and opportunities back to the Bahamas so that, you know, Bahamians aren't forced to live outside of the Bahamas to enjoy the career that they want to do. And obviously having, you know, the the you know the next iteration in sustainable development happening in Grand Bahama with a brand like Six Senses you're offering up you know the the 101 you're offering up like the ability to interact and be involved with the very best in hospitality and the very best in sustainable design and operations and I and I hope that we will bring you know Many of the people who haven't just left the Bahamas or left Grand Bahama to seek opportunities back to their homes so they can it can help us build this equitable, prosperous, and sustainable future that I'm passionate about building here in Grand Bahama. and
0: And you know the obviously that's extremely important. The other goal is to enhance tourism because that's obviously a big industry uh, in Grand Bahama. And so, Tourism, uh, you know, increasing that and, and, and increasing the flights to Grand Bahama from the United States and other uh, major cities uh, across the globe. And then um, talk about the economic benefit that that can bring, not just having the resort and the jobs, but the tourism, the improved tourism, the increase in, in flights uh, and things of that sort. Talk about the economic benefit that that can bring.
2: I mean, it's huge, isn't it? So you, you've got, I mean, 200 $250 million of of, of of cost. That's a big construction project There's going to be, you know, immediate gains, you know, over the course of the next couple of years as the hotel is built. And then when it's operated, you've got hundreds of direct jobs and, and sort of, you know, again, hundreds of indirect jobs that are going to be created. And, you know, when you bring people here to enjoy that hotel, they're going to be using amenities that are provided, you know, operate, operations that are provided by Bahamians. And, you know, it, it's not just the exposure and, and the, the, the dollars in the back pocket of Bahamians, but it's it's a knock-on effect of having the world's greatest hotel brand here. You know, we're going to see lots of new investors looking at Grand Bahama in a different light. Um, and I think that additional investment, you know, will obviously build accretive value for, for people who who live on this island. Um So, yeah, it's huge in so many ways um, and really exciting.
1: So this is a fun story. We're going to go back in time a little bit. Back to 2019, I started hearing from a mutual friend about this really cool guy that he knew who lived down in Grand Bahama and was involved with all kinds of interesting things. And we should really meet up. And I said, well, I don't know why we should meet up with a guy from Grand Bahama. He said, well, there's opportunity there. And I said, okay, that's, uh, that's great. Sounds good. I said, well, let's, let's get it arranged. So we had, we had some back and forth. And then eventually we were, uh, we were uh, able to convince you to leave your, leave your flip-flops at home and get on an airplane and come up and visit us in uh, Washington, D.C. and then in Baltimore. And we toured around some different projects. We looked at our large project in Baltimore. We talked about other projects around the region we were working on. And we met up at the hotel we had built and developed there, the Sagamore Pendry, and and after a long day of touring around Port Covington and other projects, um, and um, I started to understand why you were interested in what it is we were doing. And I have to tell you though, I was could not for the life of me understand why somebody from Grand Bahama would draw similarities and be interested in what we were doing there to what. Was needed, or what was perhaps uh, the idea for, for Grand Bahama? Grand Bahama to Baltimore, you don't, you don't think of the similarities. So, after spending some time together and, and, a, and a, few, uh, a few Sagamore whiskeys, uh, we started to get into it. And, and, and you, you convinced me that I absolutely needed to come down as soon as possible. Um, I convinced you uh, that we you, you, we should uh, we should continue this conversation in Utah two days later, and you actually packed up and continued on the trip to go skiing with us in Utah, as you remember. I'm sure that was fun explaining that to your lovely wife. But uh, we spent a couple more days, and you, you continued to push into me. I need to come down. I need to come down. So we, we eventually booked a trip to come down, and uh, it was about a month later. And right when we got back from that ski trip, COVID hit. And when COVID hit, it put everything on sort of hold. The world stopped. I mean, that was that was going into two. Uh, that was uh, our trip was in January of twenty. That's right. Uh, and then by February of twenty, we were booking for a March trip. And then by March, the world had shut down altogether. Again, we con- continued the dialogue and we kept the faith. And at some point uh, later in that year, um, we managed to figure out how to get down there through the customs process that was very stringent at the point, came down there and we, we looked around and we, we saw it was down there. And that's when we realized why you were drawing comparisons um, to what we had done in Baltimore and what needed to be done or what you thought we could do with Grand Bahama. Um, well, I've, I found many comparisons that were similar, um, I think, on, on the big... Vision strategy. Um, Obviously, visually, uh, it was the most beautiful place I'd, one of the places I've ever been. And so uh, I started to understand what you were talking about as far as drawing jobs, creating opportunity. Uh, Working with the community, uh, working with the environment, uh, really being a a sustainable project that's built around those core fundamentals with the community sitting first uh, next to the environment, sitting next to them with profits sitting there, but not leading the charge as to what we would do long term with our island uh, that we were invited down to visit. And so it started to come together for me. And so from then on, I, I fell in love with the idea and we, we started to make our moves and we purchased uh, our first piece of land, which was uh, an abandoned um, site that was going to be used for a, a, a large scale Marriott vacation club. And the work began. That's kind of how we met. And that's yeah. how it got started. And, and, uh, and it really was that simple. And I give Rupert a lot of the credit for the vision because I didn't see it. Uh, I saw it about 50%, I didn't see it at all when he came to visit us. At the end of the visit, I saw it about 50%. I started to understand what he was saying. But then upon uh, you know, a real visit to the island, and real time in the island, I really understood what he was saying on really improving on the narrative and improving on the optics and improving on, most importantly, the reality of what was going on in Grand Bahama. Um, again, the difference is, uh, you know, obviously the, the, big obvious ones are the weather and the, and the, um, job situation, they're very different, uh, you know, both good and bad, um, uh, compared to Baltimore, but there's so many similarities in a way too. And, uh, which we think just led to an incredible opportunity.
0: Yeah. And, and so Rupert, talk about those parallels. What, what do you think?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I think about this a lot actually, and I, well, I think look Baltimore, had a, had a narrative issue. Um, you know, it had a a negative perce- perception and Grand Bahama because of some of the storms and some of the, the urban blight that's happened because of that. And, you know, some slower growth over the course of the last 15 years um, ha- had a narrative problem. And, and I could see how weller in in, in your way and through your project uh, and how, you know, Steve Siegel and the stuff that you guys have done had changed that narrative. And and with that narrative change, there was a recognition that the communities that were struggling needed to be brought brought with the development process. And and Grand Bahama is no different. We have a narrative issue. We have a perception issue that is changing. It's changed very much with a 6 centers hotel coming here. I've seen the strategies that you put in place um and how you engage the community how you uplifted the communities in in baltimore and the conversations that we're having you know internally now about how we can uplift the communities here in grand bahama through development um was important obviously baltimore's an industrial port city and grand bahama is an industrial port city you know we interact with the water every day and when i got to baltimore and you know you took me on your boat mark and took me down to port covington and and I was like, wow, you know, this is not dissimilar to the run of show, and to the tours that we do in Grand Bahama. You get on a boat, you go to the harbor, and you have a look at the canals, and you look at this waterfront property that is capable of of huge development possibilities. Um, but I think, you know, look, I think Weller as a as a as a as a company is sort of uniquely positioned to start this sort of renewal of Grand Bahama. You know, you've got this unique set of circumstance. You know, you've got this entrepreneurial side to your business. You know, you don't mind taking on different and difficult challenges, but you've got the credibility and the process and the team which allows you to interact with institutional capital. And and those two things are hugely important here in the Bahamas. You know, we're we're not the US, but in many ways very similar, but we're not the US. It's a, a developing country in many ways. And I think you understand that and you've got the the drive, and and I think you've got the sort of passion to see your way through difficult circumstances to make things happen, and you've got the ability to bring in large-scale institutional capital and brands um, like Pegasus, like Six Senses, which start to change the narrative and and allow you to do things at scale, um, which we need. So, yeah, it's been a hell of a journey. I have to admit, it's been great fun. You know, I, I think. Um, I think you've got to choose your partners wisely. And and I think, you know, I believe very much in the weather ethos. The people you have in your organization are exceptional. Uh, good people as well as very capable, <laughs> I think. Thank you. You know, you, you, you choose partners in haste and you repent at your leisure. <laughs> <laughs> well said.
0: Very well said. And, and uh, just for our listeners out there, just so everyone's aware, this is going to be a two-part uh, episode, so... We're now recording the first segment, and we'll do the second one uh, at another date. But um, we do want to just ask a couple more questions, then we'll let you go for today, Rupert, and and you know work on the second segment next. But the second to last question I wanted to ask was just you know your family has been so influential in Grand Bahama. Um, talk about their role and your role in you know within the everything that happens in Grand Bahama, and how did that come come about in the first place? You know, people from the states who hear about you know, a, a government or, or an island being, um, you know, influenced by two families don't really understand how that works and how that comes to be. So so talk about that a little bit. And, and uh, you know, obviously you weren't alive at the very beginning, but you've been part of it your entire life. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, your family and their influence in, on the island.
2: Yeah, well, it's, I mean, my son will be the fifth generation of, of Haywoods um, who have dedicated their lives to... To the island of Grand Bahama, um, and they've done it principally through their ownership in the Grand Bahama Port Authority, which is this quasi-governmental entity responsible for the planning and, and development and promotion of the island of Grand Bahama. We have a, a number of joint ventures um, and own a lot of the commercial assets here as well. So we have a uh, we can touch this ecosystem of businesses and regulators, and we have good relationships with government as well, who are super important in all that we do here. And they've been extremely supportive of, of what Weller is doing, and they should be commended for that. Um, you know, the, the PM, the DPM, and uh, and Ginger Moxie is the minister for Grand Bahama. You know, we, we, we couldn't do it without them. Um, and so, you know, we should say thank you to them as well. I'm sure you found that, Mark, when you've you know, been dealing with government, that they've been extremely supportive. And, and Grand Bahama needs that more than anything else. You know, if the government relations break down, it doesn't work. But the port authority has these unique uh, components, and they have been the driving force around the development of, of Grand Bahama. Um, and and that's really, you know, my involvement is through I'm the Haywood representative, you know, uh, within the companies here in in the Bahamas, and I, you know, I, I, you know, have to use all the tools that are available to me and to the people in that company to, to drive growth. Um, and uh, for the betterment of the people of grand Bahama.
0: hey ruse so you know most of us we have an important job and we've got a family and we wake up and we you know go to work and we take care of our family whatever that means do our job the best we can but you know you have the added responsibility of also um looking after an island and having that that burden Uh, what is that like i mean that's kind of a unique thing
2: it is and and you know, it is difficult at times and, you know, people have, have, have said to me more than once, you know, what is this not just too difficult, you know? And, uh, and I, I've always disagreed with them. I mean, I, you know, I, I like being in a position where you can make a difference. And, and I think, you know, being involved in Grand Bahamas future and being privileged enough to have the, the role that I have allows me to affect change. and, you know, this is sort of what I'm meant to do, I feel. Um, you know, I'm passionate about it. I, I love my community. I love this island. I think it's an unbelievable opportunity. Um, it's not easy, but with partners, you know, coming to the island like like Weller and, and Pegasus, and, you know, we really can make a huge difference here. Um, and I think you'll find that, you know, the more time you spend here, the more time you'll realize that the sky is the limit it just takes good people and leadership and, uh, and and proper planning and some money and you can make a big change new new models of of economic development that are inclusive and equitable and sustainable um, and prosperous
1: yeah i was going to say i've learned that the low hanging fruit in our industry is gone anyways and i think the fact that we're given the opportunity to make an impact um, it just makes it all that more much more special, but I would say that it's um, it's it's um, nothing nothing uh, worth doing is easy, and we found that in all of the projects we've, we've done that have been the most rewarding um, uh, for us personally and for us financially, and so, uh, I mean, with, uh, with, um, with this incredible opportunity comes an incredible amount of work and vision, but without you, Rupert, we wouldn't be here today, and uh, your vision has been incredible in, in getting this thing off the ground and going, so thank you for everything you've done.
2: No, well, thank thank you. Thank you. Good team effort.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this episode with Rupert Hayward. Uh, Rupert, when we get back on the next episode, I want to ask you some more questions about your background and how you got to where you are. And we're also going to talk a lot about uh, environmental sustainability and take a deep dive there, uh, an area which is obviously so important to all of us here on Earth, uh, but one that you're extremely qualified to talk on and and, uh, with Grand Bahama being located where it is. It's obviously of pivotal importance. Um, So Rupert, it's great to have you on the podcast. We'll talk to you uh, on the next one. Um, But we had a great time today.
2: Thank you, Rupert. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much, guys. I look forward to speaking again soon.
0: All right. Thanks to Rupert Hayward for sharing his wealth of knowledge on today's episode, all about Grand Bahama and the Six Senses coming to Grand Bahama. Look out for our next episode where we'll talk to Rupert again. More about Six Senses, but also about environmental sustainability and and all the ins and outs of that. Um, And there's a lot to talk about there. So thank you for listening. As always, we'd love to hear from our audience. So if you have a suggestion for a guest or a topic, please reach out to us on social media at Weller Development on Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn. I'm Matt Rienzo and he's Mark Weller. Keep building, people.